listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future. I'm your other co-host, Katie Van Doren. You can find me on Twitter at The Vandalorian. Today, we're going to recap the Astros 2022 draft, and we brought on a, a special guest, somebody who follows the draft like, like none other that I can think of, Spencer Moore. Spencer, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm just swimming in draft stuff, doing good. Well, before you turn the page and you start looking at 2023, let, let's get some thoughts about, about this draft. So we'll, we'll start with the number one pick. Astros finally had a first-round pick, first one since they've had since 2019 when they took Corey Lee, uh, had the 28th overall pick, and they took outfielder Drew Gilbert out of Tennessee. What's your take on him? Um, I had him in the top 15 on pure talent. Um, I uh, thought it was pretty exciting that he made it all the way down to 28. Um, he's an undersized guy, but the tools are pretty loud. Uh, the speed and defense, I don't think anybody doubts, but if you look at uh, the exit velocity data on him from college, uh, it's pretty evident that he's got a lot of power as well. Uh, I think like one of the most advanced hit tools in the college class, for sure. I uh, was able to see him in person earlier this season. It was really impressive. He should move quickly, a good amount of upside. So I love that one. Yeah, it seemed like uh, a lot of people had him ranked higher than than where he went. I think MLB had him maybe around 30, but I, I know yourself and then I think uh, Baseball America had him higher as well. So definitely seems like the Astros, you know, got a got a good pick there at number 28. But before we move into the next one, do you think he's a guy that's going to sign for for under slot or do you think he's going to be I mean, given where his draft position, I guess, you know, where he where he was kind of projected to go. Do you think the Astros would have to go over? Or do you think they'll kind of get him right at the slot? Um, I would think right at slaughter a little under. I mean, for a college position player, unless you're an eligible sophomore, there's just not a lot of leverage. Like he could go yeah. back to school, but he would be in a tough spot next year. Right. And the Astros, you know, they went with another lefty bat, another lefty outfielder out of college and Jacob Melton. And I think everyone kind of assumed the Astros would go after some college, you know, college players, you know, college depth in that sense. But what do you like from him from what you've seen? Just a really balanced skill set. Um, I think he can probably stick in center field. He's a good runner for his size. Uh, showed a lot of power at Oregon State. The swing is a little bit funky. He'll ch- he'll expand the zone a little bit here and there. But uh, just a guy who can impact the game pretty much in all facets. So there's a lot of ways for him to provide value. Um, there was a lot of first round buzz on him. So again, like a guy, I didn't really expect to be on the board at that pick. Um, and I think, yeah, he would have to be considered one of the best players available at that spot. When you look at those two picks, uh, like if you could give it a grade and kind of like explain to like, you know, listeners about why the Astros, you know, targeted two college players instead of, you know, drafting a high school player that was there and, you know, paying a little bit extra to get him to sign and maybe waiting on developing him. Yeah, I mean, I think 
with the farm system being where it is, maybe there's a little bit more of a draw towards college players just because you're looking to uh, get some bankable talent in the system, um, just kind of get up out of the bottom of the rankings as, as quickly as you can in a sense. But I mean, with what we saw them do on day three, I think um, part of the strategy was just to go get the, you know, the signable guys they liked the most on day two so that they could throw a little bit of money around later. Um, and I think you'll see them come away with one of those high dollar prep guys that they took today. Yeah. So the comp pick they got for Carlos Correa, they took a picture, Andrew Taylor, um, you know, and looking at some of his stuff from what I've, what I've read, he's kind of got that low nineties fastball, but it's, it's really deceptive and uh, gets a lot of swings and misses, but is that kind of a pick where they, you know, we're, we're getting a guy that they wanted to maybe sign under slot to kind of save some money for later. Is, was he a guy worthy of that, that, that second round comp pick? Um, I don't think he was too far off, but he should come in under slot. I mean, like you said, the fastball, really all the pitchers they took have that rising four seam action. Um, and his performed really, really well. Plus it's probably going to get better over the next couple of years. Uh, when you're talking about a guy who's 6'5", 190, like you have to assume mm -hmm. there's going to be more velo. Uh, Changeup's really good too, and the breaking stuff hasn't really popped yet. But like again, you add some more velo to that as well, and there's a good chance it it, it could become more effective. So like I think he's you know a number four starter kind of profile if you project mm -hmm. it out. So to get that, um, you know, even where they took him is is a good value. And when, when you look at the rest of the first, I guess what happened in the second day, they went after a lot of college pitchers, a lot of righties, only one lefty. But out of the, you know that crop of college pitchers entering the system, who did you like the most? Um, I mean, I think I like them more or less in the order that they picked them, actually. Uh, Taylor, I think, has probably – I just like the bat-missing potential with the fastball changeup. Nor has really good velocity, but his fastball is more of like a pure running action. So I think it's going to be a little more weak contact, a little less swing and miss. Um, though I would say his breaking stuff so far has been quite a bit better. So maybe that starts to stand out a little more. Um, Dombrowski, I like, I really want to love. I mean, I do, I do really like watching him pitch. I want to love the upside. Uh, I think for him to be more than a back end guy, he needs to find like a good amount of velocity. But I think, you know, that could happen. Uh, you do have a big frame, the deliveries maybe like a little bit deliberate. Um, so maybe you can find a little bit more there. Uh, he's been able to do a lot with really out too much raw stuff yet, which has been pretty impressive. Um, Everybody after Dombrowski, I think I my gut says bullpen on, mm -hmm. but uh, DeVos is really going to be able to pile up a lot of strikeouts. Like he can miss bats with three pitches, and um, I think definitely you want to give him a long look in the rotation. Um, same thing with Blue Ball. Like he was in the rotation a little bit this year with Milwaukee. Had some good starts and some not so good starts. I think his delivery is a little more relievery. But he has like um, he has four pitches, so I think it's worth at least sending him out in the rotation as well. Looking at the the rounds three through ten last year, and looking at what they did uh, this year, you know, last year they drafted a guy like Quincy Hamilton, who uh, I believe was a fifth year senior, and kind of pretty quickly showed that he was above the the talent of a single A, and, and kind of even to high at this point, he's, he's hit pretty well. Is there a guy in that round three through 10 that you kind of feel like would, would be similar to Hamilton and not necessarily the offensively, but uh, 
just in terms of proving that they're better talent, I guess, than what you would see in single A and potentially high A and a guy that could, you know, maybe move through the system quickly? Um, I mean, I would imagine that Dombrowski will do quite well in A ball just because of how advanced he is, the way he can move the ball around mm -hmm. uh, is going to be pretty uncommon for that level. Uh, and then also, like, they only took two hitters, so there's not really a clean comparison with Hamilton. But I do right. think that uh, Colin Price, I mean, I like that pick a lot. I don't know that I would call him, like, a super quick mover, especially because he's probably going to be catching. Um, but definitely showed, like, a nice advanced approach this year. That was really the main reason he broke out. So I think he should he should hit pretty well right out of the gates against that lower level pitching too. And on the topic of Colin Price too, uh, I saw some people on Twitter, you know, bringing up his size. He's six foot six, and we've seen a lot of catchers in the system: Yainer Diaz, you know, um, Luke Berryhill, some guys in Double A picking up first base. You know, Corey Lee has even played some first base. Do you think first base could also be in his future? It could, it definitely could be. He's played there before. Um, he's played a little bit more in the outfield too than he has at first. Um, as a freshman, he even played in center field a little bit. Uh, he's a good athlete. Like, I think it's, you know, it's obviously awfully rare for guys taller than like 6'4 to catch in the majors, but um, athletically, I don't think there, he has any limitations that uh, would cause me to say like right away, he can't do it. So I think it's worth a shot. I would, I would be looking at him in right field if he has to move. Um, I think he runs well enough to play there and he has the arm for it. But uh, yeah, I mean, failing that it's, it's going to be first just because with, with that size, there's only so many places really that you can put him. So today, day three of the draft, the Astros kind of, they kind of started out with a bang. You know, they took a high schooler, Ryan Clifford, with their, their 11th round pick, a guy who was ranked number 92 by, uh, by MLB.com, the, the 92nd prospect in baseball or in the draft. But um, what's your take on that? I know you kind of hinted on, you know, them signing some, uh, some signable guys, some seniors to maybe save some money to go over slot on a guy like Clifford. But what's your take on him as a prospect? Yeah, I mean, I never heard a number like prior to the draft um, as far as what Clifford was looking for. I assumed he was not going to be selected and would go to Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. um, he's been on like he's been on the radar a really long time. Like if this class had an equivalent to like Blaze Jordan, it would be him. Not so much like actually as a hitter, but just in the sense that he's been famous since he was like 13. <laughs> um He's like obviously a ton of hit power upside, like to be a, a prep first baseman uh, who was ranked as highly as he was. The main reason that uh, like he, he wasn't drafted a little bit higher other than the bonus demand is that he didn't have a great summer uh, last year at the showcases, um, which seemed to drag him down a little bit. But he, his uh, approach is pretty mature, and uh, I've heard I've, or I've read a couple different places that his makeup is uh, very well regarded, too. Um, the raw power is still kind of developing, but, like, it's going to be plus, if not maybe even better. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been a, a really good pure hitter from a very early age. So there's a lot of potential there for sure. And I'm a sucker for some, you know, lefty hitting outfielder. I love Colin Barber. I love like the size and what he can do there. And, you know, the Astros kind of went after a couple left, hit, you know, left hitting outfielders with, you know, the first two picks and then him. Do you think that's kind of a need in the system right now? Um, 
I mean, I think at least like the Astros have shown for definitely shown on the pitching side that they're like just content to stack up right-handers infinitely um, and that they maybe don't give so much weight to the like handedness in, in their roster construction. But I mean, uh, the, the system has definitely been, you know, pretty righty heavy on both sides of the ball. So it's, it's, I think like these players do like kind of fit into like a best player available strategy as well. So it may be a little coincidental, but if so, it's, it is like a nice side effect to get a little more balance for sure. So the Astros went on a little shortstop run after taking Clifford. You know, they had a, took a shortstop in round 12, 13, 14, and 16. Out of those guys, and obviously, you know, 12 probably being a, a little bit higher, but out of those, what's your take kind of on that crop there? And who's who's the guy that the Astros fans should really be looking at, a guy that actually has some, you know, maybe some legitimate tools that we can really see on display in the minor leagues? Um, I think DeZenzo, DeZenzo and Lofton, I, I like both. But um, in particular, DeZenzo, just because, like, he's going to hit, tape measure home runs. Um, I think he's probably a third baseman uh, just because he's a little big for shortstop for me, but um, the power is probably plus plus. He's had a, a good amount of swing and miss like in, in college so far, but it's gotten better. Really blew up in the MLB draft league, was like near the top of the charts in the hitting metrics. So definitely like big offensive upside if he can make a little bit more contact. Um, and then Lofton, like more of a, a skills over tools guy, but, you know, big time impact uh, for Oral Roberts this year. Uh, you know, big base dealer, swung the bat well, is going to fit probably, probably be able to play multiple positions on the infield. So he's got a shot to have a little bit of value too. And when you look at those, you know, shortstops like defensively as well, everyone's heard of position addition and, you know, a lot of shortstops end up, you know, not being shortstops when they get to the next level, you know, Miles Straw is a center fielder, Alex Bregman moved to third base, but do any of these guys from what you've seen defensively, you know, could they project better at other positions too? Yeah. DeZenzo, I think I would like most at third, um, like I mentioned, and then Lofton, I think would fit most naturally at second base, but uh, again, we'll probably be able to handle more than one spot. So looking at uh, another, they only took two high schoolers, and one of them was Clifford. We talked about another one, Isaiah Jackson out of Arizona. You know, I don't know if that's a – some people kind of refer to it as like a backup plan in case they don't sign Clifford, they can get Jackson. Do you think there's any chance they have enough enough money in the slot or in the bonus pool to sign both those guys? Um, it would surprise me, but I would really like to see it. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like I, I do think they saved a good amount of money on day one. Um you maybe get a little bit of a, a little bit of a discount on Gilbert, definitely on Taylor and Nor, um, potentially a little bit on Dombrowski. And then like mm -hmm. with the seniors they took later as well, you're going to pick For up sure. some savings. But I mean, I would expect that the, the number on Clifford is going to be seven figures. So when you factor that in, I don't see a whole lot left over for Jackson. Um, he was definitely like a very well-regarded talent. Um not quite on Clifford's level, but like, again, another, another lefty bat with like big uh, upside with both of the offensive tools. So I think getting either one would be a really good outcome. If, if you could get both, that would be just like a pretty special haul, I think. In the last two picks, you know, the Astros went with two, you know, back-to-back -back with catchers. Uh, not, not a lot was known 
from what I've seen on Twitter, but you, you'll know more. But, you know, John Garcia, I saw something about his pop time, like 1.78 seconds or something crazy like that. But is there anything you know about these guys defensively? Um, not too much, to be honest with you. What stood out for me with Garcia was that uh, he was a JUCO transfer and didn't really hit all that well in JUCO, but then, like, just dominated at Grambling State with the bat. Uh, which is intriguing. And then Robleski, like I, he's mostly a power guy. That's ex- the extent of my notes on him. Um, I don't know too much about the defense. Wasn't something I focused on. Uh, but, you know, that Dallas Baptist program has produced some sneaky talent before. So I'm not going to discount him. So taking away, uh, let's take away Clifford and let's take away the Zinzo, since we've kind of talked about them. Out of those picks, rounds 11 through 20, who, who's kind of your favorite pick out of those? Um, I would probably go with Tim Borden. Um, there's some similarity to like Desenzo's profile with him. Like it's an infield fit, but he hits the ball really, really hard. So that's always going to be intriguing to me. Again, you're not going to get probably huge contact numbers from him, but he could make enough impact with the contact that he does make uh, to have some value on offense. Man, you know, I'm looking at the numbers and and just when these guys get drafted, I went you know looked on baseball and see the numbers and they all had incredible numbers. And I know like last year they drafted, Nashville's drafted Chad Stevens in the 11th round. And, you know, he had some decent numbers at Portland, put up some numbers so far this year in high A. But it seems like every guy they drafted this year had some really, really good numbers. McGowan, uh, if I'm saying it right, or McGowan hit, you know, 399. I know he was at a smaller school and he's a fifth-year senior. But it just seemed like everybody they drafted had really good offensive numbers this year. Yeah, I noticed that as well. I mean, I guess it's, um, you know, one of the symptoms of the, of the shorter draft is that mm-hmm. – it's tougher to, to still get picked if you have a down year. Um, and then like, also, you know, the, we can have the expectation that the vast majority of these guys are going to sign. And we saw that last year with the, the first 20 round draft, <clears throat> um, you know, the lion's share of the picks signed. Um, so that like things, have de- it's definitely gotten different in the way, like you take in the draft board. Right. All right. So overall, you know, go back to day one to all the way to day three. Um, and I know grading is extremely – it's hard in any sport to grade a draft. You can't do it. You know, you got to wait years and years. In baseball, it's even worse. you got to wait, I mean, a long time to really grade a draft. But if you just had to look at the overall haul that the Astros got in these 20 rounds, if you had to throw a grade on it or, or, or how would you – I guess how would you rank it or how would you grade their overall class that they got their 21 players they select? I would give it, like, at least a B-plus – maybe even uh, an A minus. Um, I mean, I think if you had told me before the draft just that uh, they were going to get Drew Gilbert, I probably would have told you that I didn't even care about what came <laughs> after that. So, that, I mean, that goes a long way. Melton, I go back and forth on a little bit, uh, but I do think there's a lot to like there and it's hard to deny the value. Um, the pitchers, I think it's interesting that they went for a lot of guys that haven't shown great breaking stuff i'm interested to see whether it's that they want to they feel like they can develop it or if it's just that they don't feel like those guys need it as much um but i mean as long as they can pull in one of these prep picks from from day three which i think they will uh to get just that sum total of talent with one of the smaller bonus pools, which they did have, even though, you know, like they're back in the first round this year. Mm-hmm. I, I think you have to be happy with it. Definitely. All right, Spencer, man. Well, I, I really appreciate you, you know, jumping on and, and giving us your insight. It's always, always good to have you on. Always good to hear what you got to say about the process. So appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was fun. 
All right, that's going to do it for segment one. In the next segment, we're going to take a look around the minors, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a, a favor, drop us a review, leave us some stars. So this segment's going to be a little bit different. Rather than doing the, the weekly breakdown, Kenny and I are going to kind of look at the system as a whole uh, for the first half of the season and, and kind of go from there and give some breakout prospects, best performers, things like that. But we're going to start with our stock report. I'm going to go first. The guy that I got that the stock up is, uh, man, it's soaring right now. Justin Dearden hit 591 this week. I think three doubles, triple, two homers, nine RBIs in five games. On the season, he's up to 27 doubles, which leads the national system, 15 homers. But if you go back and look, since the beginning of, of May, he's sitting 329, 20 doubles, 14 home runs, an OPS of over 1,000. The guy has put up an incredible season. And I know we talked about it. He was an undrafted free agent in 2020 when the, the draft was only five rounds. Uh, but, man, he's had an incredible, incredible season so far and kind of really proven that, you know, a normal draft, he would have been drafted and would have been a guy to, to uh, definitely, keep, uh, definitely keep an eye on. But, man, he's crushing the ball. He had a little bit of a downstretch. I know me and you talked about it a couple weeks ago, but, man, he's came out of that. He, <laughs> He's came out of that on fire, 591 in five games this week, and uh, just really a good season overall for him. Yeah, it looked like everybody on Double A was kind of on a down stretch. We talked about Willie Abreu, Luke Berryhill, and even Durden not hitting like they were. And I know Durden's OPS got up to probably like almost a thousand there at some point, 950 for a little while. He's pushing back up there now, and it's crazy to think you know he's an undrafted free agent. But if he was if he was in this year's draft, he'd be a fifth round pick. You know, this guy is you know talented. He's showing out. And, you know, you've been following him for a while, but I know you also had another guy in mind for this week, kind of a stock report going up. And I'd actually like you to just throw him in there, too, because you were going back and forth with this. And we were looking at it each day because they were both yeah. having good weeks. Yeah, because, you know, last week was a rough week and this week was a really good week in the system. And early on, I, I know I was texting me like, I don't know to go with. And then each week they can, or each day they continue to play well. But J.C. Correa had an awesome week. He hit 500. Six doubles, two homer, nine uh, two home runs, nine RBIs in six games. It was crazy. He had three games in a row where he had two doubles in each game. The six total doubles in three games, pretty incredible stretch. But he had a little bit of a, a streak where he didn't hit so well. He he was dealing with some kind of injury. I mean, obviously there wasn't a lot of details on it, but he missed some time. But he's back now, and the guy just does what we've said all along. He hits. You know, he's hitting three eleven. He's got twenty one walks to twenty three strikeouts, seventeen doubles. We've mentioned it before. You know, he, he looks ready for double A, at least with the bat. They're trying to get him a lot of time at catcher. But, man, he spent a lot of games at catcher this year. We've seen Barry Hill, uh, Barry Hill, Diaz, and even Lee, you know, kind of move around a lot. Uh, J.C. Correa has caught 37 games at catcher. His next position that he's played most is second base, he's, and he's had 14 games there. So, nice to see the Astros really giving him a lot of reps at catcher. Now that the draft just came and went, hopefully the, that'll, that'll give him an opportunity to maybe get that chance in double A. But offensively, man, uh, awesome week for him and really just been a good overall season for him. Yeah. And defensively, I know there were some struggles early on, you know, it's a new position and it's, it's crazy. I think that's, I don't think that's a part of position addition. I think like there's actually something that he sought out. That's a position he needed to play to move up in the system, kind of abandoned shortstop. He's playing some thirds, some second, even started a game at first. I noticed today because he won South Atlantic player of the week for high A Asheville overall, mm -hmm. just have, you know, he's, he's a bit on a tear. And I remember Carlos Correa one time quote tweeted, one of your tweets and said the kid can hit and that's really all he's been doing recently and once he gets the catching position down a little bit better that's really going to boost his chances of getting up to double a and you know he was at he was also an undrafted free agent i think in 2019 yep. or 2020 so just you know another guy that's like durden just pushing his way through the system kind of going unnoticed to other people uh but my stock report of the week is zach daniels uh zach daniels 
is three uh, hitting 348 with a 987 OPS since coming off the injured list on July 4th. He was on the IL for almost a month. Uh, no disclosure on the injury, but he has three home runs, nine RBI, but 17 strikeouts. You know, strikeouts have kind of been the issue for Zach Daniels since he joined the system in 2020, fourth round pick out of Tennessee. Uh, 29 strikeouts in both April and May. I uh, didn't include really anything from June. It was kind of like a short stint. But, you know, I think strikeouts are what's holding Zach Daniels back defensively. He's been doing well. You know, he's, he can steal bases. He's quick. He has a good glove. Um, you know, he's kind of built, too. He, you can hit for power. And once he kind of knocks down those, you know, swing and misses and strikeouts, I think we'll see some movement for Zach Daniels in the near future. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's kind of one of those. I mean, he's a, he's a power speed guy. You know, he's got 10 homers, uh, 15 stolen bases this year. And like you said, he's, he's built really well. Um, but, yeah, nice to see him swinging it well. And like I said, Last week was a really good week in the system in terms of in terms of offensive numbers. There was a lot of a lot of good performances. And and, and actually, I will mention it too. talking about stock up. Um, let's throw another guy in there, man. J.P. France. That's a guy me and you have talked about quite a bit. And this week, seven innings, no runs. He allowed one hit. I think he had a no hitter into the fifth or sixth inning or maybe it was a perfect game in the fifth or sixth inning. Uh, struck out seven. And I think if you go back to what is it, the beginning of June. Uh, the guy has been awesome. And what really stands out is that walk-to-strikeout ratio. And even last year, France had a really good year, but the walks were a, a little bit of an issue. You know, that he walked kind of too many guys. But since June, he's been money with the, uh, you know, with the women in the walks, picking up the strikeouts, and then uh, even the ERA is down in the two. So really good to see him kind of turn it around. And, and he's looking like a guy who can, you know, who could help the Astros bullpen right now if they wanted to bring somebody up. I know he's got Hunter Brown in front of him as well. Um, but, man, nice to see him have another really good start. Yeah, he's tied with Hunter Brown for strikeouts in the PCL with another guy, uh, probably from the Dodgers system. I forget which what team, but um, overall, you know, JP France. I think since when he got to Sugarland, I've been you know pretty excited just to watch him pitch. He's 27 mm-hmm. years old now. Um, you know, college guy came from Mississippi State, Tulane. Uh, turning it around though, like you said, you know, dropping the walks. Um, mustache looks good, and I, I he, actually he's got. I just remembered he's part of my uh, best thing I learned this week later in the episode. Perfect. All right, so we're going to talk about our breakout prospect for the season so far. We're, like I said, we're about the midway point. We're at the all-star break for baseball. It's, a, it's been a little – we're into the second half of the minor league season. Now, full disclosure, I went with my choice first uh, on this and our next question. So, Kenny kind of had to choose, you know, who was next. Uh, but my breakout prospect of the year is Emmanuel Valdez. That, that's an easy one. I mean, he had a good year last year. We saw the home run power in high and double A. And everybody wanted to see him do it at the higher level, uh, levels, and he's done just that. You know, he's hitting 332 overall, 26 doubles, 19 home runs, uh, an OPS of over a thousand. And you know, we saw him, we saw him destroy Double A early. You know, and you're wondering, okay, what's he going to do when he gets that promotion to Triple A? Won 30 games at Triple A. He's got, uh, he's hitting 298. He's got an OPS of 946, eight homers, 26 RBIs. I mean, he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down in Triple A. 23 years old. We know he, you know, we know what he is defensively, and he's going to be a guy that his bat's going to carry him. But if you wanted to look, you know, for a true breakout prospect, I think Valdez is definitely it after what he's done this year. And we don't even see Valdez receiving the recognition that he does. I know the exit velocity yep. is kind of low, kind of maybe kind of chases a lot from what you see from the eye test. And you know, he didn't really, he didn't even make it into the top three three for fan graphs. Some other guys have him drop down. I think Baseball America recently up there updated theirs. And yeah, he's my, I think he's like number nine. Um, but, you know, I feel like he should be a little bit higher than that. And that, that would have been the easy choice. You know, I think everyone has been, you know, he's on, he's on everybody's radar now. You know, he got up to AAA this season. And I think joining that group you know, is Jainer Diaz. Uh, you know, Jainer Diaz, another guy who started in AA this season, got up to AAA. 
the talk was always Corey Lee, Corey Lee, Corey Lee, you know, catcher of the future. Jainer Diaz, it was the Jainer Diaz trade with Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You know, Phil Maton was just tossed into it. But Jainer Diaz, 297 batting average, uh, 847 OPS. OPS has kind of dropped a little bit since he's been in Sugarland. He hits better on the road like everybody else does. You know, the Skeeter yeah. Dome is what they call it. The wind blows in. And that, that's not a you know true excuse. You know, altitude is better, too, on the road. But 14 home runs, 14 doubles, playing some first base a little bit more than – uh, catcher when he was in double a played some outfield too, just the corner outfield. And he was in the futures game. I uh, went two for four, both singles yeah. over hundred miles per hour. He looked excited from the videos I saw. So, you know, he's, he's an electric player for a catcher. You know, you don't see that very often and he plays the game hard uh, from just, you know, just watching him. And I think that's, I think him and Valdez are the two breakout prospects so far we've seen. For sure. I mean, I, did, I have to agree with everything you said on Diaz. I mean, he hits the ball hard and, and, you know, we've, we've seen it for a while. The Duke can hit, you know, and what's he going to do defensively? Is he going to be a first baseman or a catcher or a backup at the major league level? It's still to be determined, but the guy can hit. But before we move on, I want to throw a couple of other names out there that me and you texted about a little bit when it comes to breakout prospects. The first one I'll throw out there is David Hensley. He's a little bit older, 26 years old, but he's had a really good season in AAA, hit 290 and 861 OPS, 23 doubles, eight homers, 44 RBIs, 12 stolen bases, draws walks. Man, he's on base. He, he plays all over the infield. I mean, he looks like a guy who's ready to be a, a major league utility guy, you know, kind of fill that role that we've seen in the, the past few years. I know Diaz is kind of our main utility guy, and you got Doom out there as well. Uh, but Hensley looks like a guy that, you know, he, this year or maybe next year is ready to kind of take on the utility role. And then one more guy I'll talk about before I let you take it, uh, Quincy Hamilton. I mean, I could, he, could, he could fall under that breakout prospect. I mean, he's 24 years old, uh, fifth-round pick, I believe, last year. But as twin doubles, he's fourth in the system and hits this year. 12 homers, 19 stolen bases, an OPS of over 900. So a uh, really good season from him, man. He, like we talk about, he looks like he's ready for that double-A um, that double A, uh, you know, challenge at this point. Um, it would be quick for him. You know, he started in Fayetteville this year, went to high A and then double-A. But it, he looks to be a guy who's ready for that next challenge. No, I'm glad you brought up Pensley. Uh, just, you know, backtracking to that before we – talk a little bit more about Hamilton, but, you know, Hensley, I think last season when they did the rule five, you know, protections, it was kind of like in my mind, it was up between Hensley and Joe Perez. Two guys are in double a both utility players. You know, Joe Perez was third round pick. He's only 21, 22 years old. A lot of upside to Joe Perez. Um, And, you know, he just got back from injury. We'll talk about that later, but I I think David Hensley could be a utility guy of the future. Um, You look at the team, you know, uh, Ledmus Diaz is going to be, um, you know, heading to free agency next year, they could bring him back. You know, they have Mauricio Dubon under control until 2027. But I think David Hensley, who can play all four positions, the infield, left field well. And it, he's just, I think he has, I was looking at this the other day, but he had the same walk percentage and almost the same plate discipline as Alex Bregman. Alex Bregman is one of the most disciplined hitters in baseball. And I think that's great to see. And they started, started hitting him lead off once Matty Javich and Corey Lee went back up to the majors. That's the thing Mickey Story likes to do to get a hitter going. And it's hard to like look at the samples because David Hensley's hit everywhere in the order this season because that's just how AAA lineups work. Mm-hmm. And I th- yeah, almost has a 900 OPS in the leadoff spot, which is great to see. And he's getting on base, and that's really going to you know get him to the majors. Maybe not with the Astros, but maybe with another team because he's he's a major league talent at some point. Uh, about Quincy Hamilton, it's I think the only thing I'd, I'd like to throw in there. I've talked about him a hundred, you know hundred times. The only thing I'd like to point out is it's good to see that the two. Uh, Astros player minor league player of the months have been hitters from single a. And we've, you know, we've talked about the single a hitting coach a lot, Jose Puentes. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, since he's been in the system, you know, he's been talked about a lot. He's kind of out there. He's touched like almost every young prospect down there and you know their swings, but the him, Quincy Hamilton, Logan Cerny, both 
single A guys, you know, college outfielders, and they're going to be going through the system mainly because of their bats. Yeah, definitely. They've had some really good numbers this year and, and certainly uh, as well down in Fayetteville. Last thing I'll say on Hensley, man, it, it seems like the guy just comes up clutch. I know he's had a, a walk-off homer, a walk-off RBI single, and I know a clutch thing, you know, people can, some people laugh at it, but it just seems like when the, when the, the team's a hit, he's the guy to go to. But uh, we'll move to our, our best prospects, our, our best prospect of the season so far. Once again, I took the, the honor of choosing first and, and I kind of chose the obvious one. It's, it's got to be Hunter Brown. You know, he's in a uh, triple A pitcher right now. Everybody knows who he is. He's been phenomenal this year in uh, 70, 71.2 innings. He struck out 97, 2.38 ERA. Um, just, just, I mean, just doing everything you want to see from a, a top-notch pitcher when it comes to, uh, you know, the strikeouts and his walks were like France walks were a little bit of an issue last year where he got those under control. And we've seen plenty of outings from him where he hasn't walked a single guy. And recently, it seems like even the games where he, where he struggles a little bit and uh, he may walk a couple guys, you, you turn, you, he finishes the game and you look at his fat box score and he's got five innings and he allowed one earned run. And that's kind of been his, his, his bad game, you know, if you put that in quotations, but. Awesome season from him. Um, I know he's ready to, to contribute to the major league club. I think it's going to happen at some point this year, whether it be at the harbor or in the bullpen. We've seen him pitch, you know, both roles down in the minor leagues. But, uh, man, just a, a great season from the Astros' top prospect. Definitely. And I, that was going to be my choice. I think everyone's choice who's watched the uh, Astros' minor league system this year would go with Hunter Brown. He's major league ready. We've talked about it 100 times. 97 strikeouts, leads the PCL, tied with his buddy J.P. France. Um, you know, I, I had to go with another guy. You know, I wanted to throw another name into into the circle. And I'm going with Colin Barber. Um, we talked about this before, but he hasn't played since July 8th. Uh, no injured list placement. But he's, you know, hitting 306, 888 OPS, nine, or seven home runs, 27 walks, 32 RBI. He's 21 years old. And I think Colin Barber just has a lot of upside. There's a lot of tools there. You know, he's pretty he's pretty quick. He can play the outfield well. He's a lefty. And I said it earlier in the in the show, but I do like lefty outfielders. I think there's a lot of potential there in the lineup, a lot of places you can put them, and especially for a guy who can hit with for power. You know, if I had to rank it, rank the top three right now, you know, if I just leave Corey Lee out of it just because he's been in the majors a lot recently, I would put Hunter Brown and maybe Jainer Diaz. And then Colin Barber is going to be in the top five. He's going to stay in the top five even after Drew Gilbert was drafted. And I just think Colin Barber, if once, you know, he's healthy and I don't, we don't know what his injury is. You know, I think right. he's a top three prospect in the system. Yeah. And it's great to see that, you know, great to see a guy who was drafted out of high school and, uh, you know, missed the 2020 season because of COVID come back, uh, comes back 2021 and he start in high A a nice aggressive uh, assignment for him starts out well and then gets injured, missed the rest of the season. So nice to see him turn it around. There's been a lot of transactions over the last couple couple weeks, Kenny. So, kind of give us an update on some of the guys that have been uh, that have been moved around the system. Yeah, so we didn't do a show last week. I was on vacation, so there was a little bit of things that we missed. Uh, but Joe Perez is back. He was he was on a rehab assignment for almost a month with the FCL Astros. It was an oblique injury that uh, shelved him. I think it was May fourth, um, but he's back in Double A. I think he had a home run in one of his first two games back. Yeah. Uh, Matt Rupenthal was sent back to. Double uh, A Corpus Christi pitched a little bit in Triple A when there was a couple pitchers down, but uh, Parker Mashinsky's back in Triple uh, A on a rehab assignment. He's thrown five rehab appearances, uh, kind of an odd look, but you know he's gotten up to two innings. You know there was some a lot of command issues there for a little while, so there's no no report on when the next one is. But you know just looking across from that, um, Jose Siri back in the majors. You know everyone knows that, but Jimmy Endersby uh, promoted from Double A. 
to triple a he's had two starts you know both pretty shaky um you know it's a big adjustment from you know double a pitching and triple a pitching but he was top five in era in the texas league and double a um you know once he kind of finds his rhythm in triple a especially with there's a lot of arms down we've talked about it before jonathan Bunez is you know is hurt Forrest whitley who's not on the injured list but you know upper bicep inflammation got him taken yeah. out of a start early and sean dubin's hurt so there's going to be more action for Jimmy Andrews, especially to start the week and end the week. Um, other than that, Jose Alvarez, uh, he's a catcher in the Astro system. He has become the AJ Lee of catching <laughs> to me. If you don't know AJ Lee is, he's just a prospect. The Astros just plug in wherever they need him. You know, he's happy to be there and he plays almost every position on the infield. Yeah. Uh, but Jose Alvarez went up to the major or went up to, sorry, went up to AAA Sugarland when Jainer Diaz was in the futures game. Uh, but Alvarez is back in high a Asheville. And then this was very interesting to me. Uh, you know, we talked, we both tweeted about this, but Luke Berryhill will be out for a couple of weeks with a fractured ring finger. He's back. He's on the seven day injured list. The Astros promoted an FCL Astros catcher, uh, Carlos Hurtado to double a Corpus Christi. He has an above or below 600 OPS. I, he wasn't the, my first choice of the ones I saw, but he's the one that's going to replace, um, Barry Hill for the time being. Yeah, we you know we talked about that with the draft with needing those those kind of those veteran catchers. You know, you need the the guys that, I mean, everyone wants to have the top prospects, the Corey Lees and stuff. But the guys like the the Michael Papierski that stay in the system for a while and and can do a good job calling a game. The Astros did draft three three catchers this year as well. But yeah, it's fortunate for Barry Hill. You know, he's uh, he's had some up and downs this year. Uh, he did note, you know, through his Instagram story, he did get the guy out. He did throw the guy out at third. He uh, he came up out of his stance through uh, the guy stealing third. Throws down, gets him, but on his follow through, he hit the the, the bat uh, of the hitter who was standing in the, the you know, he's a right hander standing in the box, and his follow through hit the bat, fractured his finger. He said he thinks maybe four to six weeks he'd be up. I do want to give some some draft notes. I just happened to get on Twitter and I looked. Uh, McTaggart shared an article. He says uh, high school outfielder Ryan Clifford, a Vanderbilt commit taken in the eleventh round, anticipate signing with the Astros. And he said uh, Clifford said, "I'm really excited to get working with them and hope to help them win another World Series." So. To have something like that from from a guy like Clifford, it makes me think the Astros, they probably had some kind of deal worked out. You know, they, they knew kind of what what range of money he wanted to go. And I think the Astros knew they had the money to go there. I don't think they would – I don't want to use the word waste, but waste a 11th-round pick on a guy that they didn't think they were going to be able to sign. So, uh, really good news, man. That would be another uh, another top prospect to get in the system, a guy that's probably going to fit in your top ten, you know, when, when it's all said and done. Can you tell me the best thing you learned this week? Uh, no, but we talked about this uh, two weeks ago when the Futures game was coming up. And I was looking at the team from 2017, and the Astros have a few guys on here that are no longer with the team and still with the team. So I'll look at the Team USA real quick. Outfielders Kyle Tucker and Derek Fisher, Derek Fisher, who is currently a free agent now, were both on the team for the Astros. The other you know, now Astro on this team is Lewis Brinson for Team USA. You know, he's a AAA outfielder. He's in Sugarland. Uh, at the time, Lewis Brinson was one of the best prospects in baseball. Looking at the world team, though, you got Jordan Alvarez listed as an infielder, and then Mauricio Dubon listed as an infielder, and everyone knows Mauricio Dubon is now an Astro. I just thought maybe I'll go back to the year that they won the World Series and see which prospects are there, and some of these guys, you know, two of those guys are some of the best hitters in baseball. So, yeah, no, it's, it's very interesting that the Astros – up with that many and man, like I was telling you before, there was somebody on that team that I think either was a trade target or whatever. But yeah, it's uh kind of funny to see them end up with that many guys on their roster from that that futures team. The thing I learned this week, and um, I shared it on Twitter, I think a lot of people know 
the city of Houston has a love affair with the SEC. It is understandable why. They, they, they have really good baseball, really good football, really good basketball. But the city of Houston has made six first-round picks this year, and all of them have been from the SEC. You know, the, the, the Texans drafted Derek Stingley, Kenyon Green. The Rockets drafted uh, Jabari Smith from Auburn. Um, Tari Easton from LSU, Tata Washington from Kentucky, and then the Astros drafted uh, Drew Gilbert today from or uh, two days ago from from, uh, from Tennessee. So Astros have uh, the, the city of Houston has a lot uh, uh, added a ton of SEC talent over the last few months, um, and I'm not going to complain about it because it looks like the the picks you know the guys they've chose uh, have been really good prospects, and, and we'll see what they end up doing with their their big career. But um, I thought that was a, a pretty interesting fact this week. Yeah, I, I think that's cool. And, you know, I go to an SEC school in Mizzou. None of those guys went to Mizzou. They all probably owned <laughs> Mizzou in the respective sports they play. Uh, but I'd actually like to jump back to one thing. Another thing I learned today, um, I was looking up, you know, Ryan Clifford, and I found out that, you know, an agent that I've you know, been talking to before, he told me that he was best friends with uh, Ryan or Ryan Clifford's dad when they when he played minor league baseball. His dad was John Clifford, outfielder, first baseman in the Rocky system. But he played for a minor league team that's now the one of the Astros minor league teams. And I'm going to segue this into a trivia question. So in 1996, he was with a minor league team that is now in the Astros system, but it wasn't then. What team is it? Man, um, I mean, I, I'd have to, I'd have to say the the Astros tourist. Yep, it's the Astros tourist because I think I think that was pretty easy because the tourists have been with a, a you know bunch of different teams right. and. Yeah. The hooks, it was right. you know, the hooks in the, the Space Cowboys, you know, franchise, obviously, we know how long they've been around. So it yeah. was between the two for me. But then, you know, the Astros bought the, the Woodpeckers not that long ago. So, um, yeah, interesting. And so then I'll, I'll go into my second uh, trivia question. All I think right. I did. I have it saved or I didn't even say it. I think. Oh, wait, that was my trivia question. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. Here it is. <laughs> so Drew Gilbert's uh, first round pick this year for the Astros. And each year that the Astros, you know, draft picks come up i'm 21 years old now but i feel older and older because there was a guy this year <laughs> drafted that was born in 2005 that's just ridiculous to me it seems you know just incredible that someone that's five years younger than me is going to be in professional baseball yeah. but other than that drew gilbert i am f- how many days older am i than drew gilbert five days five days okay it's exactly yeah, five you, days he's yeah, born I, September. I remember. yeah you told me you told yeah. me earlier this week yeah, and so I felt I felt old. You know, Drew Gilbert looks older than me too. You know, he's a you know now he's a professional baseball player. But September twenty seventh, two thousand, Drew Gilbert was born, and I was born September twenty second. Well, like I told you, you know, when when I started doing this, I was you know about the same age as a lot of prospects. Now I'm older than all of them. So you'll you'll get there one day, Kenny. That's what you got to look forward uh-huh. to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Well, uh, you got anything else before we uh, before we cut it off? No, uh, it's actually the second inning in the All-Star game right now. So, Fromber Valdez is on deck to pitch. Nice. Yeah, no, that'll be good to see. the. Uh, I know the minor league teams get back Friday night, so be looking for that fan. So, uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. So, if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros in the minor league system.